The other day I looked at my bride, I looked at Joe Lynn, and I said, I wish there were just more days in my life where I didn't feel like a failure. I just wish there were more days in my life where I didn't feel like I was disappointing Jesus. I, I wish there were just more days in my life where I, I felt like I was pleasing God. As a Christian, as a person who has walked with Jesus for a time, uh, there just is this, this gap I know what I should do. I know where I should live. I know what I need to be doing. I know what I need to be thinking. And yet, there seems to be a space between what I know that I, I could and should be doing and what I am doing. There seems to be this space. And I know, I know, I have a Spirit of God living inside of me that continues to live with me, to push me uh, toward living the kind of life that I should live. I have the Spirit trying to empower me to live beyond the power of sin, and yet, ugh. Man, there are some days where I look at my bride and I say, I wish there were more days that I didn't feel like a failure. Have you had days like that? Uh, maybe, maybe you've had weeks like that. Maybe you had months, years, where you lived and you just, you looked to the heavens, maybe daily, and just, oh. Lord, I did it again. I feel, I feel like I failed again. You know you shouldn't. Uh, you know you shouldn't yell at your kids. But they take the bat and they start waving it around the house like a wand and turning their siblings into a frog. And then they end up on the floor, wrestling together, breaking stuff. And I mean, you know you shouldn't yell. You've read all the books. You've heard all the really good TED Talks. You've, you've maybe even listened to your preacher. And you know that you shouldn't raise your voice. You know you shouldn't be like angry at them. You know that you should kneel down and look them in the eye and use a calm voice. You know you should give yourself a time out. But in the moment, you just lose it. I mean, you lose all of it. Not just a little bit. I mean, like red-faced angry, phlegm coming out of your mouth, and your kids are just... I think dad's in a bad mood. <laughs> and you go to bed that night, and you think, oh, I did it again. 
God, how in the world can I call myself a Christian? You know that you shouldn't put all sorts of bad things on social media. You know that you shouldn't attack people. You know that you shouldn't get into any major kind of conversation on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know that those are bad things. That only bad things are going to come from that. And you have convinced yourself... I am going to be holy and true with everything that I post on social media. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to post anything bad about anybody at any time. And then it happens. The neighbor three doors down, they've been talking about you. You find out from your good friend she has been posting things about you on social media. And she has some opinions about your parenting. And she's got some opinions about uh, how she perceives how you spend money. The gloves are coming off, right? Oh, I'm going to social media. You want a piece of this? You're rolling up your sleeves. You're going to your computer. You're going to your phone. Rawr! Rage comes out through your fingertips, and, and there is no holding back. Double barrels, man. And you push return, and you feel very satisfied until later. And then you go, ah, oh, Lord. I told myself I wasn't going to do this. I told myself this wasn't who you wanted me to be. And here I am again. You, you go to Sioux City one afternoon. And, and, and there's construction. I don't know if you've ever known construction to be up close to Sioux City. But, but there's construction again. And there are times that when you get behind the wheel of a car, well, let's just say you have to try and control your mouth and your horn. And you, you, you are in your car praying all the way up. You're, you're going past Sloan. Lord, just help me. Just work through me. Help me say nothing. Help me just to be who you have designed me to be. Help me to be nice. Help me to be kind. Help your spirit to live through my driving. And, and you're going to the mall, and, and you're almost there. And you're making a left-hand turn. And a, what appears to be a 17-year-old in a broke-down Honda Accord with rust spots all over it, nearly clips your bumper, and oh, man. And you have a few choice words. And you get done, and you think, oh, I did it again. You go home. And it's your spouse. 
And, and, and you've been married for a while, and so you know your spouse better than anybody on planet Earth. You see, that's the thing about being married. You get to know someone really, really, really well. And when you know someone really, really, really well, you know all of the vulnerable areas. You know all of the areas that are susceptible. Uh, you know all the areas in their life where you can push the big red button that says, do not touch. And they made you so mad. You thought, I, am, I have had it up to here. And you know that you shouldn't bring in this thing. You know you shouldn't press that button. You know that that's an area that the Lord would not have you go. But you're so angry. And you let it fly. When we have situations like that, when it feels like we're failing, when it feels, quite frankly, like we're just failing all the time, uh, when it feels like uh, sin is just wrapping its ugly, cold, cruel arms around our life, what word of hope do we have? What's the anchor for our soul? Where is the message of hope and good news and all of that? When we come back to the Lord going, Oh, Lord, how can I even be a Christian? Where is the word of comfort from the Lord? In a letter that Paul writes, he uses a little big word that gives us an answer. He uses a word that is about results and, and good consequences. Uh, he uses a word that's, uh, that's like, okay, now, now let me tell you what the conclusion of the story is. It's a little big word, therefore. And this morning, we're going to look at this little big word, therefore, and we're going to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Uh, there's two therefores in, in this passage that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, there's two therefores that, uh, that are in Scripture, these two little big words that talk about result and, and conclusion of consequence. There's two, and one of them, uh, one of them is, is going to point us in the direction of a reality that we hate, that shows us almost too clearly who it is that we are. But the other, therefore, the other, therefore, is going to show us something about who God is. And it's going to give us a, a view of a life that we long for. Uh, the context of the passage that we're going to get into is Paul in this great disappointment of life. He's failed over and over and over again. There's great disappointment uh, because there seems to be a, a consistency uh, to his failing pattern. Uh, he's, he knows what God's good boundaries are for his life, and yet he continues to do something else. 
And in the midst of all that, there's a clear good message. In the midst of, of, of a cruel sin that wraps his arms around Paul's life, there seems to be an anchor for our soul, a security in Jesus. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7 this morning. Romans chapter 7. If you're following along in the Pew Bibles in front of you, page 786. 786, but we're going to be in Romans chapter 7. No matter how old we are, no matter how many days we've walked with Jesus, all of us will have this natural propensity, will have this natural inclination to sin. Whether we followed the Lord for one day or for 90 years, we will all have the opportunity and probably take the opportunity sometimes when it is given to sin. To look at the good boundaries that the Lord has given to us and say, I would rather choose something else. Whether we've been here a long time or a little time, it seems like it's real easy to enjoy sin sometimes, even as a Christian. Look with me at verse 21 in chapter 7. 21. So I find this law, this principle at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? It's a hard thing sometimes to be unchained from death, from the effects of sin that I continue to drag through my life. Sometimes it's a hard thing to to recognize that I still struggle with sin and I'm face to face every morning with the effects of sin and death. I mean, Paul here in in verse 24 uses this powerful picture of being chained to death. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Some have suggested that what Paul is is, uh, imagining here is that sometimes in the ancient world there would be uh, someone who had been caught murdering someone else. And the punishment 
The punishment sometimes for one who had murdered someone else, who had killed someone else, uh, was that they were chained hand and foot to the corpse. Hand in hand, foot in foot, neck to neck, and they would prop the eyes of the dead corpse open. So that every time you opened your eyes, you were looking literally face to face with death. And then the both of you would go to the grave together. And Paul might very well be using this image here in verse 24 as he says, Hey, who is going to deliver me from this body of death? Who's going to take me away from this, this pit that I have to wake up every morning looking at death, smelling like death, with death all around me? Who's going to do it? You see, sin is serious, isn't it? Sin is serious business. Now, some, I know, have suggested that, uh, that sin is, is like shooting an arrow and missing. I've missed the mark. Some have suggested that that is what sin is. But let me suggest to you that sin is way more serious than that. You see, sin is not simply that I have aimed at this target over here and I've missed the bullseye. No, 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 no. Sin is way bigger than that. The consequences for sin are, are way larger than simply missing the bullseye a little to the right or a little to the left. No, sin is when God says, this is the target that I want you to aim at, and you say, okay, and you turn around and you, you aim at something else entirely. You see, sin is not just missing a mark left or right to what God wants you aiming at. Uh, it is completely aiming at something else that has nothing to do with what God wants for you. It's an open rebellion. And you better believe that sin is serious business. So Paul uses it, what am I going to do? What am I going to do when I'm face to face with my sin? What am I going to do when every morning I wake up, every night I go to bed and I think, how God, how, how am I still even a Christian? When I, think, I, I feel like I, I smell like death, I look like death, I stare death in the face every morning. When we feel like we're failing, when we feel like, like we are consistently abandoning the gracious boundaries that God has given to us, what is our anchor? What is our word of hope? What is our assurance? Because sin is serious business. And I love it. Paul gives us a little big word, therefore. Therefore, there is something that God does. There is something that God does with His own sacrifice that gives us a conclusion 
that gives us a result that is different than death. That gives us a hope, that gives us assurance because Jesus is serious about our assurance. He's serious about our security. He's serious about giving us a hope and an anchor. Look at verse 25. Look at verse 25 of chapter 7. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God who delivers us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Woohoo! So then I myself, in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Now, now here's the therefore. Ignore those chapter verse divisions for a moment, okay? Here's the therefore. Therefore. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You've been set free from the law of sin and death. I have an opportunity to teach a Gospels class. It's a privilege. I enjoy it. I I get to gather around students and we uh, get to open up the Bible together and talk about Jesus. I assigned a book for everybody to read. It was an old book, but it was a good book. A lot of it had to do with God's grace and how it works. And I was opening it up the other day and I was reading through some of the lines. I was uh, perusing over some of the things that I had underlined. One of the things that I underlined in that particular book was a line that read something like this. God loves us because of who God is, not because of who we are. God loves us because of who God is, not because of who we are. And that opened up this whole array of things for me. I began to go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. If God's grace works in this manner where God loves us because of who God is and not because of who I am, uh, then, then what that means uh, for those who are in Christ, for those who are a new creation in Him, uh, for those who have said, I'm going to follow Jesus, it means uh, that for those who follow Him, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that can condemn me. Nothing that that I can do to mess things up or overlook something or extinguish something. I can't destroy anything that's going to make Jesus, make God, love me less. And then on the flip side, that there's nothing that I'm going to accomplish, nothing more that I'm going to succeed at, uh, nothing more that I'm going to do, nothing more that, uh, that I'm going to accomplish that's going to help God acknowledge me more. You see, Jesus is serious about assurance. When you're struggling with your sin, when you feel like you've absolutely failed God and there can't be possibly another step forward, there is a therefore for you. And the therefore is therefore. uh, What's the therefore therefore? It's therefore you. So that you can recognize, yeah, I sinned. 
But Jesus is serious about assurance. And he wants you to know, those of you who are in Christ, those of you who have uh, entwined your life in relationship with him, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He has set you free from the power of sin and death. That seriousness of sin, oh, it still exists, but because of your relationship in Christ, you have been set free from the power of sin and death. There's no more condemnation. I have, I have two children. I talk about them often because I love them. They love it when I talk about them too, especially in service. When they were real little, I mean like real little, right? Um, I don't remember how often kids start walking and stuff like that. Uh, you probably all know. Maybe it's a year, maybe it's 18 months. I don't know, two years old. I have no idea, really. But I remember that when they were young, Right, they were crawling around, and they were rolling around, and we were very proud. I mean, you know, like we, we wanted to capture our, our children rolling over for the first time, you know? Are, are you with me on this, or is this just me? Like, like when they rolled over, we're like, oh, come here, look at this. This is so cute, but she's, she's going to do it again. No, just a minute, yeah. No, really, she did it, she did it, yeah. Are you with me on that? And then, like, when they would start to, you know, do their crawling thing, it was, and, and then they started to walk. And it was like, whoa, we were so excited. I mean, like, video camera excited. You know, like, picture kind of excited. Like, on Facebook telling people, yeah, my kid walked faster than your kid. I don't know what's wrong. Right? <laughs> I got an amen out of that. <laughs> but, but you know what? When they were learning to walk, they fell down. And we actually kind of expected that they would. We didn't think that, like, coming out of the chute, like, Simon and Lydia were just going to start running marathons. Why? Because they hadn't developed that way yet. We actually thought that they were going to fall down. And when they did, we didn't go, ugh, what's wrong with you? We're so disappointed. You're such a failure. No, we didn't do that. We looked, and we watched, and we offered our hand so that they could get up again. Church. For those of you who are in Christ, for those of you who have touched the life of Jesus, for those of you who have been gifted with the Spirit of God inside of you, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God is giving you His hand. He knows you're going to fall. He knows you're going to fail. Now, I can almost hear some of you say, but Mike, you just talked about the seriousness of sin. Yes, absolutely. Sin is serious business. So let me say again, very, very clearly, outside of a relationship with Christ, sin has a consequence of eternal death. That if you do not know Jesus, if there is not a relationship with Christ, if His Spirit doesn't live in you, 
The consequence is condemnation and wrath from God. But Scripture gives us a therefore. Gives us a little word. We can go, what's that there for? And it's there for those who are in Christ Jesus that recognize that some days uh, there's going to be things that you fail at. And you need a word of hope and you need something that keeps you going uh, to recognize that God hasn't given up on you. That you need to recognize that, that your life can still go forward in Christ. And so Paul writes of his own kind of experience and he says, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. You see, Jesus takes assurance seriously. Jesus is serious about assurance. He's serious about giving you an anchor. He's serious about giving you hope. He's serious about saying, hey, you can continue to move forward and live life. Now, the assumption of Scripture, the assumption of Scripture is that Christ's blood his sacrifice is sufficient oh i know sin is serious but so is the sufficiency of christ's sacrifice you see uh, it says uh, look with me uh, now in verse 3 of uh, chapter 8 it says it talks about uh, the offering of sin that christ was notice what it says For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, when Jesus was given as a sin offering, uh, sin offerings were made regularly and they would, uh, they would cover uh, the vestments, the furniture in the temple with blood. And it was really a covering, but more than that, it was a cleansing. It was a cleansing so that God's presence could be in the temple. Now, now walk with me, okay? Jesus, as the once for all supreme, sufficient sacrifice for sin. His blood was a covering for your sin and mine, but more than that, it was a cleansing for us. So that what? So that this new temple, your body and mine, could be a place where God and His Spirit could dwell. And so then He says, hey, the assumption of Scripture for those who are in Christ is that We're not using this. We're not using this, no condemnation for those who are in Christ as a free license to go out and do whatever we want. We're not using this so that we can go out and party hardy. No, that's not what this is about. But this is about the reality of those Christians who sometimes fail and need a word of hope and security from the Lord to say, you're still with me and I'm still with you. So gang, the next time that you find in your own house that your children are fighting and you're just so angry and you're going to let them have it and you feel bad about it afterwards, here's, here's what you need to do. You need to repent. You need to turn from that. You need to honestly say to the Lord, okay, okay, I'm going to let the Spirit work in me better the next time than He did this time. And you need to live with that little word, therefore. You need to know the reality of that, therefore. 
And you need to maybe say to yourself, Jesus is serious about assurance. The next time that your neighbor and that someone says something about you on social media and you blast them and you, you feel like a failure later, what you need to do is repent. You need to turn from your life of sin. And you need to know that you still have a life in Jesus. That he hasn't given up on you. And maybe you just need to say, Jesus is serious about assurance. You're in your car. You're driving. You fail again. You let some things come out of your mouth that you shouldn't. Jesus is serious about assurance. Repent and live for him. When you are home and you and your spouse have one of those knockdown, drag out fights that last like a week and you don't talk to each other, you just kind of live in the same space. Repent. Turn from that. Let the Spirit of God live in you, but, but you can know this little word and the power of it, therefore. Because Jesus is serious about assurance. Christians, here's what I want you to do. If you're here and you're of Christ and you're in Christ and you've had a relationship with Christ and his spirit is in you, then here's what I want you to do. I want you not to be eaten up by guilt and shame because those things those things belong to the accuser who just wants to take you down with him. And I need you to say, in those moments, Jesus is serious about assurance. And if you're here this morning and someone drug you here because they love you enough to find you here, uh, then I hope that you are so willing at this moment because you recognize the serious of sin uh, to come to the point where you can have a relationship with Jesus because you want to know the power of this little word, therefore. And you want to know Jesus is serious about assurance too. Then I want you to believe that the only way that you come from here to there is because you believe that God sent his son, that he would live in order to die and die so that you could live. That you would be honest with yourself and with God about your sin. You would confess and you'd repent. You'd turn around. You'd say, I'm, I'm done with this life of sin. I don't want this anymore. I want to live within the boundaries that great God has graciously given and I will submit to baptism that I might walk out a new person ready to live for Christ. If that's you this morning, then please come and talk to me. Come up during the song. Stay afterwards. Talk to the person that brought you here. But don't leave. Don't leave. Without the power of the little word, therefore, in your life. Pray with me, would you? Lord God, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it speaks clearly to our lives. 
And I pray, Father, that as I fail and, and perhaps as those who are within earshot of my voice, uh, per, perhaps as they fail, uh, Lord, that uh, one, that we would fail less because we have the Spirit of God living in us. But Lord, when we do, if we do, I pray that we will know that you've not given up on us, that we still have a future with you, that we can hang with you and you with us, and Lord, that you're serious about assurance. Assure us, give us confidence, even in our lowest moment, and help us to live for you. Lord, we love you. Help us to serve you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.